the shirt. I don't. Wanna make that paper. What is up, everybody? This is Josh coming to you with another episode of the Affiliate Marketing Show. Please be sure to like, follow, and subscribe to stay up to date on all the latest affiliate marketing news, tips, and trends. Per usual, I'm your host, Josh, from OfferVault.com, the industry's largest aggregator of all things affiliate marketing, affiliate offers, direct to advertisers, affiliate programs, you name it. We got you covered. We also have Daddy Call Bucks, Adam Young, as well as the industry legend, Harrison Gewurz, plus one of my best friends in the industry. We go way back. Mr. Braden Lunge, I believe is how you say it. I always forget to ask before doing the intro, but you will correct me if necessary. Senior Director of New Business and Client Services at Aragon Premium, a division of the Aragon Company. That provides cost per acquisition mobile marketing solutions that deliver results for your brand. Mr. Braden, is it lunge or lunge? Which one is it? Lunge. Lunge, damn it. Just All like right. the exercise, spelled the same, pronounced the same. Mr. Braden, lunge, please forgive me. What's up, man? You are talking to us from BC, as in I British am. Columbia, right? Yeah, how's it yeah, going? Yeah, I'm on, I'm on Vancouver Island. Uh, I live in a, a, a really small city outside of the main hub, which is Victoria. Moved out here a few years ago, really quiet, like on a little hobby farm. Not a lot of people that bother me out here. I can just, you know, grind away and, and do what I need to do. So I know you've been in the industry a long time. And uh, as I mentioned, you're now with Aragon Premium. You know, Aragon Advertising has been doing business with OfferVault for many years. I think, honestly, probably since the time I started here back in 2016. So I'm not super hip to Aragon Premium. Can you kind of just tell us a little bit about that? I know you guys kind of focus on mobile, but maybe just give us a brief overview on what you guys actually do. Yeah, for sure. So the Aragon Premium division of the Aragon company is the mobile-specific division. It was actually started uh, three or four years ago when uh, Todd, the CEO, we run our own uh, in-house website called The Money Manual, and we just saw uh, how successful uh, the traffic was that was coming to The Money Manual and how happy all the advertisers were. Um, But then you always get to a point with this content advertising where all the clients want more, 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 more of the same traffic. And you kind of hit a cap with content marketing. And so they started to branch out to other similar websites and found that they're able to kind of get more budget for these and split them up um, throughout these other content websites. And that kind of started the whole premium division. And from there, you know, we worked on uh, bringing in content partners, influencer partners, some programmatic partners over time. Um, and some offer wall partners, really a, a diverse uh, mix of traffic channels that we work with. And uh, yeah, I mean, since my inception into the affiliate marketing space 12 years ago, um, even at that first company, Revenue Wire, when I was working there, it was desktop specific. We had people asking us for mobile offers back then, you know, 12, 11, 12 years ago. Uh, so it was always on my mind. Uh, we didn't get into it at the time. As soon as I made my next jump to next company, it was mobile specific, advertiser facing, sales specific. And uh, I guess the, the career kind of just grew from there. 
So something I want to ask you about that we were kind of talking about pre-show is the uh, increase in fraud that uh, has been happening over the past few years, specifically related to programmatic ads. So I know you kind of mentioned how you guys, you know, shifted to content websites, influencer marketing and stuff like that to kind of combat that. But can you tell us a little bit about the fraud and the increase in that that you've seen and how you guys are kind of adjusting to, you know, keep Aragon Premium and your partnerships at a... Uh, you know, a higher level. And before, yeah. hold on, hold on. Before yeah. you answer that question, it would be really amazing if you want to do it or I can do it uh, to just cover what exactly we mean by fraud in this circumstance for our listeners. Yeah, for sure. So mobile ad fraud comes in various different uh, formats. We can see ad fraud that is by, being bought on like a, a DSP platform where it's actually bots that are kind of programmed to download apps, perform user behavior in apps like play to certain levels, kind of like mimic user accounts and that kind of thing. Um, there can be the fraud that is like intentional fraud from somebody where, you know, they're, they're firing post back fraud or they're doing click spamming fraud. So there, there is a big array of uh, fraud that's out there, and you know a lot of the fraud detection tools out there are, are quite advanced and can and can pinpoint a lot of this now. But when I first started, like dip my toes into pro, pro, programmatic and, and mobile many many years ago, they didn't have those solutions in place, and so like a lot of people call it like the wild wild west of mobile because. Uh, there was just you know if you look back you probably think there was a lot of fraud that was happening that was not actually identified at that point um, and now the tools are so advanced that it gets flagged very very quickly and it's a big problem with programmatic traffic these days i find hey Braden, can i ask you a quick question um can you kind of just unpack like what specifically is programmatic advertising and how is it different than like the regular affiliate marketing our users are familiar with yeah so programmatic advertising kind of just comes in the form of uh, these media buyers are buying inventory on on mobile DSPs where they're essentially buying ad space on another app. And it's that standard like banner ad space where it's very, very small. You see it pop up when you're playing another you're playing another game and you see a little uh, ad come up. It's so small and you can like barely, barely see it. Uh, the The intent of that ad is for the user that's playing the game to kind of get distracted, see oh, Amazon 50% off or something, click on the ad, it takes them away from the game, they can then download Amazon shopping or something like that, and go through that flow. So the it there's, you know, there's uh, hundreds of 1000s of apps out there, hundreds of 1000s of websites where these people are buying this inventory. Uh, and just I guess the progression of it is, you know, now there's bots that are created that can falsely click on these ads falsely install these mobile apps and even mimic the user behavior like i said so it's you know it's kind of tricking um the advertiser into thinking hey uh you've got an install of this you've got a user like pay us for it um obviously never the intent of us doing it it's happening behind the scenes but that's kind of where that all uh comes from so how come you guys are kind of shifting or have shifted your focus, as you mentioned, to content websites, influencer marketing, paid social reward platforms and offer walls? Um, you know, like, why is that the path that's kind of helping you offset the increase in fraud that we're talking about here? 
Yeah. So honestly, when I came over to Aragon, um, when I was interviewing with them, I feel like I was interviewing them as much as they were interviewing me. At my past few roles, I had been very heavy in programmatic advertising, and I knew that I wanted to kind of shift away from it and get into other kind of advertising that was cleaner, easier to deal with, the clients happier with. And when I found out that Aragon had like owned and operated websites and they worked with all these content websites, uh, a lot of people say like content is king because it's it's normally one of the highest forms of traffic. Uh, I was really excited about that. And so when I started, we did work with a lot of programmatic partners. Um, I had a lot of contacts, uh, contacts in the advertiser space. Um, and I kind of came over and I just said like, listen, I've, I've, I've seen this trend happen more and more. Um, I've had to deal with it like day in and day out with fraud and having to explain to the advertisers why this happened, why 50% of the traffic is now being charged back to us. When you work in the affiliate space, those chargebacks then get pushed to the affiliates who drove the traffic. Uh, and it becomes really messy. It's like, it, it's high stress. It's something that you're dealing with like day in and day out almost. And, uh, you know, for someone, if they're not familiar with fraud, it comes as a big like sticker shock to them. Like, why is this happening? Um, and so when I started at Aragon, I just said like, you know, listen, like it can be a part of, of, of our advertising, you know, like we know that you're going to deal with this all the time. There is a good time and a place for it. You can hit a lot of people with, with a lot of inventory and it's relatively cheap. Um, but there are better methods out there. Um, content is kind of where we started. And then when we kind of branched off into this social influencer and paid social right now is it, it is up and coming. It's just a lot higher quality of traffic. The user intent behind um, driving like an install uh, for a game, let's say, it is a lot higher when they have watched a video for someone or, or, or read a, a review of the game. They go and they download it and they know what they're getting into. Whereas like with programmatic and it's this small banner display, it's just like, here's the game. You've maybe never heard of it uh just like click to install and maybe they install it and they think it's a puzzle game and it's a um like a wordscape type of game and, and they're not happy with it and they delete it so like that user journey is not great it's not as high as quality so yeah the, i think the more that we kind of uh i was with the team and we just like evolved the traffic sources that we were working with we just saw how much happier the clients were with all this other kind of inventory and there was never this you know, day-to-day -day conversations about why we're sending fraud or why quality is so low. Uh, we had uh, like the longevity of our of our partnerships were like lasting a lot longer. We were getting more budget. So, you know, just taking that bird's eye view of things, you just think like, this is, this is a pain in the ass programmatic stuff. This stuff's working. Everybody wants more of it. Like let's pivot to this direction. And so that's just kind of how, you know, I'd say when we started, we were probably 80% programmatic, 20% other. Now I'd say we're five to cent, five to ten percent programmatic, and the rest a mix of other channels. On that note, I'm really curious what your influencer marketing strategy is for this type of content site, right? Like I understand what your content sites are. I've seen them before. I've seen the ads on social media, and I'm just curious how how does influencer marketing play into it? How do you find the influencers? You know. Uh, I know a lot of it is grunt work, reaching out to them and cold calling them the whole thing. So like, can you walk us through your high level strategy on that and how the whole thing works? Yeah, for sure. So we've got an influencer marketing specialist that works with us. Uh, his entire job is just sourcing 
influencers. Um, if anybody's at, ever worked with an influencer, they're uh, a bit of a fickle beast. You know, they um, they come from like a background of wanting normally wanting like give me ten thousand dollars and I will put this one post up for you. And that's kind of way, the way that it works in in their eyes. What we're trying to shift here is sticking with this like performance marketing affiliate um, model where they're getting paid the same as any other affiliate gets paid. So they're getting paid on like a CPI, a cost per install or a cost per event instead of like this big flat fee. That kind of puts the onus on them to really like make this quality video for us, right? They're not getting paid $10,000 for 10 minutes of their time making a video. They need to actually say, okay, here's the game I'm promoting. I'm going to play it for a little bit. I'm going to get to know it so I can talk about it. And then when they're talking about it, they're like, hey, like, download this game. It's super addictive. You know, I made it to level 10. You'll never guess what happens there. Like really taking that mixture of like what a content website would look like and putting it into somebody's mouth and them kind of like, you know, just, just informing you of it. And these influencers that are out there, they've got this following, whether it's a thousand people or 10,000 people or 400,000 people, but these people trust them. And, you know, they kind of idolize them. And so whether it's a game or a, a product, a shirt or something, they kind of trust them and they want to they want to just like mimic what they're doing. And so they say, hey, you know what? He's playing this game. It looks fun. He does it in his spare time. I'm going to check it out. So they go ahead and they check it out. So it, it is a form of like content marketing, user generated content, um, but it's coming from these influencers. So it is taking a, a lot of time for our, our specialists to find these people, find people that have previously done similar similar campaigns in the gaming space or fintech space, and then go a step further and say, hey, we're not going to pay you that $10,000 you are used to. We're going to pay you on like a, a cost per install. There's pushback. But then if you see the light at the end of the tunnel, it's like, hey, you could generate uh you could generate 5,000 installs from this post and you might make $50,000. So like, let's see it that way. Sorry to, to interrupt and what's yeah. up, Braden. Sorry, I was hey. a little late, but I'm just curious, how, how do you get over the hump? Um, Cause like I've, I've done some influencer deals over the years and to get someone okay with a performance deal, it's not always easy because, <laughs> you know, yes, you could tell someone they might get tons of installs and they're going to make a bunch of money, but I'm, you know, an influencer chick and someone offers me 10 grand to do some posts. And then you come and you're like, I'll give you a couple bucks per install. I'm not necessarily going to be interested. So I'm just curious how you've, you've seen or what's the strategies that, you know, affiliates that are kind of trying to do similar could, could, you know, utilize or implement to show these influencers that there's actually more upside potentially by taking that, that route. I would say it's not easy. Uh, we yeah, hired someone. Fair. We hired someone specifically with this background so that he could do it. We knew what we wanted to do. We knew we wanted to stick with this performance model because we worked with it a little bit in the past. And when I speak to an advertiser and I tell them, "Hey, we've got uh, we've got influencer traffic," and their eyes are like this, and then I say, "You know, they can promote your game, but we can work on a performance model instead of you having to throw down 10k and you don't know what to get." all of a sudden they're very interested and they say, okay, well, that's great. Like this, we can find someone with all these followers specific. There's not as much risk for the advertisers. So for like on our side, it's a, it's an easier sell to get that influencer budget. 
But finding those influencers is tough. I'm not going to lie. I would say, you know, he does get shot down a lot. And, you know, he's keeping these spreadsheets of, uh, you know, one, two in every 10 that he reach out to are okay with this deal. And the other ones, they sit on the sidelines until maybe, you know, we found a different deal where somebody will actually be okay with that. So it's a lot of, a lot of trial and error. Um, I think that one maybe crafty way that you could do it is if you're seeing people like very specifically say like click the link in my bio or, or whatever, where they're actually trying to drive these like events, whether it's an install or a purchase or something, there could be a chance that that person is maybe working off of like a rev share deal on a clothing line or something a little bit different than that standard flat fee. I think when you hear someone do a flat fee deal, it's just more branded awareness. And they're just kind of like maybe talking about how great something is. And maybe it doesn't end at the end with them saying like, download the game, check it out, click here. It just kind of ends with them saying, yeah, this game was great. I played it, blah, 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 and kind of ends there. So, Or uh, even worse. You know, I used, to be in, I used to be involved with a consumer brand years ago, and they got lucky and got a real influencer in their category to do an unsponsored video. And the results of that were incredible. And so I saw this and was like, all right, well, let's reach out to other influencers, other people in the space and try and do deals. A lot of these influencers are represented by agencies, small agencies that yep. are really bad at what they do. They don't know how to negotiate a contract. They don't do follow-ups. They don't keep the influencer engaged. They don't care. And so their ultimate goal is to sign a deal that is a flat rate like you're talking about, take their commission and just be done with it. And so one of the results I got, this was amazing. I agreed to a three video deal. Uh, it was $28,000 and the wow. first video comes out and it's horrible. They didn't follow any of the instructions that we sent and they were real simple, like mention the brand, show, show the product in the video at least one or two different ways, you know, like make sure it's in focus, right? Like just horrible, horrible. <laughs> the simplest things. Yeah, the simplest things. And so what happened is this influencer went on vacation, forgot that she had to do the video, took a quick video of it, <laughs> put it into some bad content, threw it up on YouTube. It got no views. No one cared. It was terrible. We found out all the followers are fake. And I go back to the agency and the agency says, all right, well, she's willing to redo uh, that video and post, you know, post it again, it'll count towards your second video. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Your set, my second video, like there's no results. There's zero sales, zero clicks, like no one cares. You have 500,000 followers. This video got like 3000 views. Your other one had half a million views because it yeah. was really well made. But you're like, hey, you get paid for it. You do no work. So let me understand this. Your influencer took the money, went on vacation, didn't do the work, and you're like, you don't want to do a good job. <laughs> and so they were, their response was essentially to be arrogantly annoyed that I had complained about the work and then they refused to do anything about it. And so I don't love my behavior here, but I just said, listen, then fine. We're not, you don't want to do your job. We're not going to see the rest of the contract through. And they're like, we're going to sue you. I'm like, all right, cool. Sure. Uh, yeah. maybe 
And, you know, this was like two kids in L.A. that somehow represented. Like, sure, sue me. All right, guys, you want to go down that road with yeah. me? All right. And then they never did, obviously. But we were out a third of the $28,000 budget. And it was a really great learning experience. And so I really like how I, to pre I just want to say I really appreciate how you're going on a, a cost per acquisition model here. Every other influencer I've ever dealt with, there has been a diva and do, you know they don't they don't really want to do anything i also had another one violate their contract and we had an out and they said no no we've already done the content and i'm like no you haven't the content's not done haven't posted it and it turned into a really big argument and at the end of the argument the influencer finally conceded that she had just made a down payment on a house and really really needed the money so she's sorry she didn't do the work and uh was really, you know, really annoyed at my attitude around not doing the work on time, but would really like it if we would pay her the rest of the contract so that she could, <laughs> you know, make her mortgage payment and buy a couch. And I, <laughs> I couldn't believe this experience. So I don't know what you guys are going through over there. But I, I really like the idea of cost, cost per install or performance based because rea in reality, if the influencer does that and does an amazing job, they can actually earn substantially more money um, than otherwise. And it's funny because I still believe in my heart that these two influencers had it been on a performance model and they had done like a really kick-ass job. I think they would have made five times the amount of money for the same amount of work, essentially, if yeah. they would have just done it correctly. And so it's a shame, but it kind of kind of is what it is. Great. And I want to... I want to hop in on, on that real quick. So you yeah. mentioned like one or two out of every 10 you hit up typically ends up moving forward on the performance basis. Um, do you find that those one or two that do it are very happy with the terms or is it is it a little bit of both? Like what do you typically see from those that actually go the performance route? Yeah, I mean, it might not be that low. I'm not the one doing the grunt work. I just, you know, I, I speak to him very frequently. But uh, I mean, everybody's been happy so far. Uh, some of the people have been in work performance before, and they do hybrids, or they, they are willing to do either model. So I don't think we've had anybody that's been disappointed. That's for sure. Um, and you know, it does take kind of stepping back and, and asking the right questions and like doing a little math for them say like, okay, you've got X amount of followers. If you post, you're going to get X amount of views. Normally this percentage turns into clicks or whatever. And just kind of like showing them and like mapping it out for them. Like, Hey, even if you did the bare minimum of what you normally do and you should know what your analytics look like, you'll make double. Um, so, you know, there's educating for sure. That's a big part of it. So, you know, Adam to your, to your story there. I mean, when I talk to advertisers that uh, have had an experience like that, it helps with my sales uh, like through the roof because they don't want to have to deal with that. They, they say, hey, you guys are dealing with divas like that all day and I can just come to you and, you know, I just get the reporting and I see what happens and you guys deal with all that crap behind the scenes. Please like do that. And uh, it's a big selling point for us, I think, you know, it's just handling all this behind the scenes and us lining up. Okay. We've got these 15 different gaming specific ones. These ones might be a good fit. Let's, let's review them and, and let's take a look and, and kind of go from there. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's uh, 
it's a really it's newer you know in the last few years specifically you know performance influencing is new affiliate marketing um and i love kind of being at the start of it i'll, I'll call it you know the ground of it and and, and building it up do, do the influencers that you guys work with uh promote across all platforms or is it like just tiktok or just instagram or would you say people are everywhere yeah so like the more we dig into it i find that a lot of people have specific platforms that they like uh like a lot of people you know will maybe just like only do instagram and they've got their stories and and their and all that kind of stuff so you know there are ones that hit everything they've got a youtube channel they've got tiktok um, but their audience could be slightly different on each and the way that they promote can be slightly different on each. And also when speaking to a client, for one reason or another, they might have a bad taste in their mouth about TikTok and they only want Instagram or something like that. So it's good to have a, a variation, but I'd say most work on like maybe two of them, but not all of them. So I have a question about the actual influencers. Do you find that you know, in this area of mobile and gaming and apps and stuff like that. Is there a type of influencer that works better than another? Like do female influencers work better than male? Is there an age range that works better? Is there like a past, you know, history of the influencer, like a celebrity or someone who's a natural, like online influencer that got famous through influencing? Like what, what do you see works best in this area? Yeah. So for the influencers that we're targeting, they're like micro influencers to medium sized influencers. So anybody that's beyond like a medium sized influencer, they're not going to want to dabble in a performance basis. They're going to want like 20, 30 K upfront. Um, and so that's not the niche that we're looking for. We're looking for those smaller ones. And honestly, it, the mix of influencers that we see, it'll blow your mind. I mean, we'll see somebody uh, promoting a, a different product or a different app that you would never in a million years think would be a good fit for it. And when you speak to them about how it's performing and, and go into depth with it, you know, it'll be maybe one of their top different campaigns that they've done. And you would never think it looking at them or looking at their profile. So you, I'd say you can't like judge a book by its cover when you're, when you're doing this, you kind of really got to dig in and see what are some previous things that they've posted about if they're only always posting about like travel and stuff like that maybe a mobile game isn't the, isn't a fit for them maybe more something that has to do with uh plane tickets or something like that would be a better fit for them so you do kind of gotta like pick and choose which is you know why i we like having a, a very large variety of influencers who will specialize in a a, a few categories and then also on our network having a big variety of offers so we can just kind of connect the dots and line them up. And do you ever go the flat fee route depending on the influencer? Like, do you ever make exceptions on that front? <clears throat> Excuse me. Or is it always performance? Yeah. So we definitely, you can make an exception. Um, normally I don't want to do an initial test on a flat fee. If there's a test ahead of time where they've kind of proven themselves out, um, and you know, they're open to doing both, then they could say, here's a flat fee deal. Uh, flat fee deals can sometimes comes with, uh, rights to the video for the company. So for us, which you can then do, and you can remarket that video and do as you choose with that video. So it does come with some perks for sure. Um, but you know, I, I would say just 
because of the conversations with our clients and what they're looking for, the path of least resistance right now is just this performance model. It just, it fits in with the user acquisition manager that we're talking to. It's within their budget to allocate this here. Sometimes when you go and move into flat fee deals, you need to get introduced to a different team member. It's a different IO, it's a different budget, it's branding. Um, and so there's a lot more hoops that you have to jump through in order to try to get something live. So yeah, we're, we're, we're trying to stick with this and, you know, just that's what's setting us apart. You can go to, uh, there's, you know, there's plenty of like influencer agencies or networks out there that you can go to. Um, but lots of them, you just don't have this, um, performance model that we're offering. I would assume you like one would not want to just stick with like the channel of influencer marketing. So can you tell me a little bit about like the benefits of kind of having a variety of marketing channels and outside of influencer marketing, like where do you guys focus in this area of the industry and what are the benefits of, you know, having options? Yeah, for sure. So, um, I think that again, like when your contact at, at a client is generally this like user acquisition manager, their job is to, let's say it's a gaming app, their, their job is to drive the most amount of users. They want the lowest cost, uh, but they also want the highest quality of users that co are coming in. They don't want someone that installs a game and uninstalls it the next day. That's not worth anything to them. That's, that's, uh, long are the days of that kind of traffic working out. So um, I think, you know, being able to uh, approach our clients and tell them like, listen, we've got we've got influencer marketing that, you know, we think if you give us a $50,000 budget, let's take a little bit of that and let's test with that. Influencer marketing, you know, it can often take a little bit of money to get going to find them maybe the right influencer or the right video that actually hits. You might need to spend a little bit of money before you see this video actually maybe go semi-viral or something like that and actually take off it and the performance hits. So um, having that like preface with them and them knowing that that's the case, that's one channel that you would want to work with. But then when you kind of say like, listen, with that 50,000, we don't want to put all of our eggs in one basket with that, right? We don't want to say like, if this just does not work for some reason for you, um, you know, or we don't find the right influencer match or for whatever reason, it just doesn't uh, perform up to your expectations. We don't want to get fully paused from them because that one thing didn't work out. We like to diversify. So that's why we like to say like, your offer would also maybe work well um, on a content review site, like maybe someone who's reviewing mobile games, top 10 mobile games to play on your couch or whatever, you know, get through the winter playing these mobile games. So You've got these content websites that are also driving traffic and, you know, making sure that the client knows which channel is coming from where and and telling them that these uh, statistics in the background, the data in the background is going to look different. So let's like analyze content traffic through one lens. Let's analyze influencer through another lens. Um, we've recently over the past year, uh, we just launched our own uh, co-reg path offer wall. Uh, as well. So it's called bonus bucks. And what that is, uh, if you're familiar with incentivized traffic, which is historically being like a, a, I'll call it like a dirty word in, in affiliate marketing. Um, I will say it's, it's evolved over time. Whereas when it was this dirty word, uh, it was people just driving installs. And these people are 
coming and they're only installing the app because they're getting a reward. They're getting like a $50 Amazon gift card or something like that. So they want to do it. They want to just download it. Um, that was kind of like previous where, you know, you'd get all these just installs. There's no user behavior behind it. Um, I think how it's evolved now and how we're really focusing with, with the way that our platform works is we're, we don't work on a cost per install basis for our rewarded traffic. We, we, we tell our user that is not smart here. Don't pay us on an install because you just don't want an install. You want your user playing to level 10, 20, 50, 100. That's where you're making your money. People are playing, they're seeing other ads, they're making in-app purchases. So the way that our offer all works is, you know, we're rewarding our users multiple times. We're saying, install the app, play to level 10, it's gonna take you a day and you can earn this many rewards. Play to level 50 and it's gonna take you three days and you can earn even more rewards. And hey, if you play to like level 100 or 200, it's gonna take you a week you're going to earn a lot more rewards. And so these users are really driven to sit and play this game for like a week. Like, hey, how can I get to level 200 to get this biggest reward that I can get? And as they're playing, they don't know it, but there's monetization within that app. They're watching ads that are forced to I them. bet they're also getting excited about the game and buying the tokens or the additional lives or whatever it is that you sell. They're getting addicted to it. They're on level 100. They want to make it to 200. And they just saw something that says, hey, upgrade to level 150 if you pay 199. We'll, we'll slingshot you there. They say, hell, why not? So they go ahead and they do it. So as they're playing that game, you know, uh, our quality of that user is increasing and increasing and increasing. So whereas this like incent used to be a, a dirty word in affiliate marketing, I normally phrase it as like rewarded traffic now because we're rewarding these users. Um, and so it has become, you know, not our main part, but another big channel that we're working with. And again, this user behavior looks completely different than an influencer or content, right? This user is going to play till it reaches that reward. When it hits that reward, it will probably stop playing. You know, they've gained their monetary reward and that's it, unless they've really become addicted to the game and, and they want. But generally you see a dip off. So when I'm talking to a client, I say, hey, where do your organic users dip off? Do they dip off at level 100? Yes. OK, well, let's set our rewards to level 120. So our traffic is performing better than your organic traffic, which is normally the highest performing of most channels. So. Um, again, you know, having all these different uh, channels that we're working with and making sure that the client knows that they have to view these through different lenses, they're all going to look different. We're going to report them back to you. I think it's really important with, you know, spreading their user acquisition budgets out and just being able to get like a good mix of media. And, you know, at the end of a test, end of like two months, three months, six months, maybe they want to double down on one and not the other. And that's kind of just like where we help them like understand the data, the users, and then just find that right path that's kind of best suited for them. Yeah, speaking of, you know, rewarding people, I know how, you know, important it is to reward your clients at Aragon Premium as well. And I know, you know, transparency is something that's super important to you guys. I know I speak for Adam and Harrison uh, and myself, you know, when I say how important transparency with our partners is, being there for them, providing that support, making sure they can get everything they need to be successful. So when it comes to Aragon Premium, um, 
Tell us a little bit about the transparency you guys provide your clients being able to, you know, view their ads in real time and any other kind of benefits you focus on. And then, you know, kind of in addition to that, like how you've seen that it increases your relationship with them by being able to earn that level of trust. Yeah, that's a, that's a great, it's a great point um, <clears throat> and a great little addition that we do here. So the transparency thing for me actually came from previous jobs that I was at <clears throat> And then coming into when I started at Aragon, um, you know, again, being heavy in my past roles with programmatic traffic, um, there was never a time where we could show an advertiser what their ad looked like. Um, we call it kind of like finding your ad in the wild. So if a person is buying on a mobile DSP, they could be buying on a hundred different apps to have their ad placed. Basically, it's impossible, not impossible. It's very difficult to actually get that ad served up to you, take a screenshot and show it to the client and say, hey, this is what your ad would look like. It looks like, like in real life on these on these DSPs. And so it's like an advertiser kind of buying into this black box. They're saying, okay, we're we're paying you this money. We don't really know where the traffic is coming from. We can't we, we, we don't know what your ad looked like. We have no idea. Um, like, do we trust you? I don't know. This is a new relationship. And so that's how it previously was. And so when I came to Aragon Premium, you know, I started even on the programmatic side, I started saying like, hey, everybody that's going to run this, we need to actually see their ad, show us a mock-up of what your ad looks like so we can show the advertiser. So it kind of started there with people, you know, we wouldn't let anybody go live and show until they showed us a mock-up of what it looked like. So it started there. As we continue to kind of like shift into other um, marketing channels like uh, influencer and, and offer wall um, and content, we started we started sharing our partners' names with them. We would say, "Listen, this is the website where your ad is on. This is the review. Here's the link. Take a look at it. Tell me if you have any revisions that you want. Like, does this meet um, like your branded guidelines? Yes, no. What can we change?" And so having that like that now full level of transparency to our clients, they can see exactly where their traffic is coming from. They're saying, okay, this website, whatever it is, themoneymanual.com, they've got a review of my product. I've proofread the review, I love it. These users that are coming from it, they're A plus, I love it. Uh, this, uh, this influencer, you know, I've actually seen the video, I approved the video before they put it out. So being able to share all that information with our clients, I found has, um, you know, it it's 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 opened up additional budgets for us. It's allowed us to have, to gain this like level of trust. You know, they know exactly where their marketing dollars are going. Um, I will say it comes with a little bit of extra. There's extra nuances and paperwork that come with it. Now that the advertiser knows who our affiliate is. And our affiliate knows that they're driving traffic for this advertiser. Um, there is always that chance that they could kind of now work directly together. So uh, we have to make sure that we're we're providing um, enough of uh, of an offering to both sides to say like, hey, listen, like this is why you need to work through us. We're managing all of this for you. Um, you know, if you're working directly with this one person, it is. A small amount of traffic. What we're doing is we're working with a hundred of these people at once, which is why you're getting all of this traffic. So 
just really selling them on, on, on what we're doing and what we're offering. And that level of transparency, I think that um, is, is come across really good. Uh, a lot of the teams that we work with, they're small teams. They're only three, four people that are on the user acquisition side. They don't have the time to work with a hundred different content sites, 50 different influencers. You know what I mean? So they love that we take this responsibility on for them. Um, and again, I think when it comes down to time of uh, renewing budgets, giving more budgets, and you've got somebody like us where they're saying, okay, I know that we're getting it from these 10 content sites and this and that from Aragon Premium. And this other company, it's this black box. I don't know. Sometimes they do good. Sometimes they do bad. Sometimes we get fraud. Sometimes they don't. Like, Where's those marketing dollars going to go? It's going to go to like the people that they've trusted, that they've built these good relationships with. And that's like, you know, in affiliate marketing, it's a small world. You know, you circle around and you see the same people all the time. So you can't burn bridges. You need to build that trust up. Um, and, you know, people just like keep coming back. You keep getting referrals. And it's just that uh, that great circle that just keeps on turning. That's the name of the game in this industry. That's that's for sure. And Absolutely. it's become even more of an important kind of principle in the game. The the days of just jumping around from partner to partner, I would say, are long gone for like the fly by night affiliate. Those don't even really those don't exist like they used to. That's for sure. That's a good thing for everyone in the industry. Yeah, that's an awesome point. That actually saves affiliates jumping around. When our client knows this affiliate is with us, if they jump to another network who might have a similar offer for a different rate or something like that, they know. They say, no, I know you're already working with Aragon Premium. Why did you jump around? Why are you trying to work here or there? It's like, we know you've got history here. Stay there. Like, you know, things are going good. So uh, that level of transparency is, has helped in that aspect too. You know, whether, whether we're talking about Todd, the owner of Aragon, or everybody at the team, um, including yourself, you know, I think it's fair to say you guys know about long-term survival. And I think a, a big part of that is the importance you place on the diversification of your offers. So can you talk to us a little bit about how diverse the offers at Aragon are and what are some of the potential like risks of a network that's a little too hyper-focused in one area? Yeah, for sure. I, I'd say um, when I started at, at Aragon, uh, our main focus was fintech. Again, how I described the way that premium uh, evolved was from our, our website, the money manual sounds con or sounds fintech focused. It is. And we branched out to others. So that was our initially our main our main bread and butter. Uh, when I started, I had I hadn't actually worked much in fintech at all. I had worked in most every other channel in, in industry with you know, gaming and food and drink and, and travel and that kind of stuff. So when I came, I kind of just started onboarding all these other um, types of advertisers and, and just like changing the mix up a little bit. And so, you know, it's at, at any network, if you think if you've got all your eggs in one basket, whether it's on one offer or on one channel, if you're only relying on, on influencer or if you're only relying on this or that is risky because if something happens to that partner or to that channel, uh, your whole business could crumble. And so like, you know, I would say over the last six years, seven years or something like that, I've seen that happen. Somebody is like, you know, they've got multi-million dollar budgets with somebody and that's, you know, they've grown their team to help build that relationship and, and facilitate that relationship. And as soon as that gets taken away for one reason or another, they go with somebody else or 
their budgets got slashed or whatever, you know, all of a sudden they're sitting on uh, 10, 15 employees that were helping with this that now have nothing to do. That budget is gone. They're scrambling. And so that's where like mass layoffs kind of happen. Um, it's, you know, you, you see that like with some of these big tech companies too, they've kind of like ramped up really, really quickly. A recession kind of happens and now they're sitting on too many employees. Um, and so they kind of are, are laying them off. So I think that like for us, you know, we can always do more, but, you know, working in gaming and gambling and, and fintech and just like really diversifying, uh, I think is definitely really smart. Um, in terms of being able to bring in different affiliates. We're not just going after one single affiliate that's good at gaming. You know, we can really uh, branch out and find all these different unique traffic sources. Um, and then we can educate our, our affiliates and traffic sources too. If they've only run FinTech before, like, hey, this might have some crossover. Uh, if you're running like a, uh, an app that's real money gaming, this could probably fit into your fintech website, like, hey, how to make money playing a game or something like that. So educating them um, on a lot of the different offers that we have, it's a big part of what the publisher's team's job is. Well, Braden, I appreciate you joining us on the Affiliate Marketing Show. I'd love to have you back in the future for myself. <laughs> Josh from Offer Vault, Mr. Daddy Callbucks, Adam Young, as well as the industry legend Harrison Verts, and once again, my buddy, Braden Lunge, the Senior Director of New Business and Client Services at Aragon Premium. Let's make that paper. Let's make that dough. This was the Affiliate Marketing Show. We will see you next time. Girlfriend's dog is the majority of my responsibility. Hey, he's pretty chill. He does like concert dances, wears Dior sweaters. But other <clears> than that, <throat>